Hey, it's your host, Mark Santiago. I'm excited to introduce you to the next level of this podcast, Empowered AF 2.0. 2.0. In this next stage of Empowered AF, we're going to dive deeper into what it means to be an empowered man in his most advanced form. I'm talking healthy communication, healthy lifestyle, both physically and emotionally, and evolving into the man you've always wanted to be. So stick around and join me in this episode of Empowered AF 2.0. Hey, so if you're in marriage counseling, you're trying everything to win your marriage back, you're just trying to figure stuff out and nothing seems to be working, you're doing probably the wrong thing. So that's why I created my five-day challenge for men just like you who are on the cusp of separation or divorce. You're trying to figure stuff out. You don't know what to do. So look, in this five-day challenge, I'm going to help you gain clarity on what you need to be doing. I'm going to help you understand the pain that you're in and what you need to be doing about it, how to fix that. All of this in five days for just five bucks. That's right. Five-day challenge, five bucks. That's it. Get in. Do it now. Don't wait any longer. Get in right now. Do the work. It's easy. Every day you're going to get assignments. Every day you're going to get an action step to take so that you're moving forward and you're going to stop the paralysis that you're in right now where you don't know what to do. You're stuck. All that other stuff. It comes to an end today. Jump in right now. Five bucks. That's all it costs. Jump in today. Let's see on the other side. What's up, guys? I wanted to clear up a myth about me, and that is that I'm an asshole. I'm not. I promise you I'm not an asshole. Do I come off strong, direct, sort of asshole-ish? Sometimes, yes, that does happen to be the case, especially if you're in my Facebook group. If you're not in the Facebook group, highly, highly recommend you joining it. It's empoweredman.co slash group, empoweredman.co, not com, .co slash group. Uh, head on over there and get in there. Look, a lot of times guys will post something and they're looking for validation. They're looking for a response. They're looking for someone to basically, you know, feel what they feel. They want someone to feel sorry for them. They want someone to, you know, oh man, I've been through that and, and, and sort of co-miserate, if you will, with what they're going through. And a lot of times they'll post these long stories and they'll say, she, 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 or this happened, this happened, this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened, and this happened. And case in point, a guy this morning, um, and it just kind of came to me as, as an example, but he basically posted about how his wife has borderline personality disorder, BPD. Um, and he went on about how, you know, she's narcissistic and, and all these things. And um, I got to be honest with you, um, I, I'm very familiar with BPD and my ex-wife has borderline personality disorder and bipolar um, and it is a serious thing. It is a serious uh, mental um, health diagnosis that is, you know, not to be lightly labeled. Um, you know, they have to be uh, diagnosed by an actual psychiatrist, preferably someone who actually has a, a PhD um, to, to be able to diagnose. It's a serious thing. And so I don't, I don't take lightly the diagnosis. However, what I, what I have a problem with is when guys come in the group and they talk about how my wife has this stuff. And my issue is, why does that matter? So, so, so why, so I'll ask the question, why does it matter that your wife has BPD? And, and the response, you know, and, and regardless of this guy's response, I honestly don't remember how he responded, but a lot of times the response is people get offended. They get mad. They're like, Oh, well, you need to be more empathetic and you don't understand. And I'm like, listen, bro, I totally understand. <laughs> I fucking understand what it's like to live with someone who has mental illness. And, um, I, I, I get all the, the deep dark stuff that you guys are going through. I have been through 
I have been through it. I didn't just go through it. I grew through it. I didn't just accept my my fade and just kind of curled up in a ball and died. I leveled up through it. I made hard-ass decisions. I became a man in some ways during that process because I chose to. I chose to level up. So when I ask the hard question, why does it matter? I'm not trying to be an asshole. I'm not coming at this from a non-empathetic standpoint. I'm coming at it from a standpoint of like a father would to his son saying, son, why does it matter that this person is doing this and this person is doing that? What matters is who you are and how you show up and how you respond because you cannot control what she does. You cannot control her diagnosis. You cannot control how she responds to you. You cannot control how she communicates with you, but you can own how you communicate. You can own how you respond. You see, what happens is these, these borderline situations and, and, and bipolar and whatever, it, affairs, whatever, it all brings out the little boy inside of you. And as a man, it's up to you to decide, do I want to acknowledge there's still this young part of me that hasn't been fathered, that hasn't been, um, you know, healed, if you will, inside of me ruling the roost, if you will, or do I just bury that and blame it on her? I'm telling you, men, if you want to be a man, if you want to be a strong man, if you want to be a powerful man, a confident man, man full of power, confidence, freedom, if you want to be that type of man, you must not be blaming other people. You must own your shit. And I will say this every fucking week because we still have men coming in and we will always have men come in who don't know how to do that, who want somebody to feel sorry for them. And this my, the empowered man is not a place. We're not going to feel sorry for you. We don't feel sorry for you. In fact, if I was going to feel sorry for her, I'd feel sorry for the children because they have to put up with your bullshit and her bullshit. Guys, at the end of the day, I love you. <laughs> and I love you hard enough to say the hard things, which is it doesn't matter if your wife has BPD, if she's cheating, if she's having an affair. None of that matters. The only thing that matters is who you are in this process and what kind of man you want to become in this process. I will say it again until I die. I will continue to say it because that's what matters most. That's what matters most. You can't control whether or not she gets her healing or goes through DBT training or, or whatever it is that she's got to do because at the end of the day, you can't control that. Sir, what you can control is you. You can control your voice. You can control your response, your communication. Look at it as this. What if, what if, what if you came into the group and said, guys, my wife has borderline personality disorder. It's, it's, it's hard. It's something hard for her to deal with. It's also something hard for me to deal with, but I'm taking this as a growth opportunity. I'm going to learn how to communicate better. I'm going to learn how to keep my, my judgments to myself. I'm going to learn how to set boundaries with her. I'm excited for this journey because the obstacle is the way. That's how you change your perspective. We talked about this last week, about your power of perspective. That's how you change your perspective. And you move forward and you say, you know what? It doesn't matter what she's got. I'm going to take it as a growth opportunity to become a better man, to become a stronger man, to become a more free man, to become a more confident man, because that's what I desire. So guys, if you want that, go do that. If you want that kind of power, that kind of oomph in your life, go do that. Be that kind of man. Change that present or that perspective and you'll see the power in your presence grow. What, what, what is up guys? Welcome to Empowered AF 
I'm your host, Mark Santiago. I've got my uh, my Jake from State Farm cup, and I'm actually wearing my khakis as well. Um, my wife says when I wear my khakis, I look like I work at Target, so uh, whatever. Uh, but it's just kind of fitting that I'm <laughs> drinking the Jake from State Farm coffee cup and wearing the khakis. I guess it's a State Farm kind of day. Um, they're not a sponsor of ours, but I do use their insurance good company. Anyways, guys, I'm excited to talk today about the topic of unshakable unshakable now if you are a football fan or a basketball fan or a baseball fan or any kind of sport fan you've probably heard the term that dude has ice in his veins in fact there's an nfl quarterback named matt uh actually i can't remember his last name he goes by matty ice he's the quarterback for the falcons um it'll probably come to me later i feel really bad um, because i followed his career for a long time but uh, Matty Ice, if you will, is known by that term because he has ice in his veins. Boy, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to feel dumb if I don't remember his last name right now. But that's okay. We're going to move on. Uh, you know, so when I, when I was thinking about this topic and, 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 and what I wanted to share today about it, the, the first thing that popped in my mind was 2013 Miami Heat San Antonio Spurs. Now, I don't if you're a Spurs fan, I'm really sorry, but we're going to talk about a really a humiliating loss for you guys uh and some you know you might blame the refs and and whatever you know the the controversial chris bosh um you know stopping the guy midair but look uh this this finals was fascinating it was a great final series it went all seven games but at game six in miami the miami heat were down 95 to 92 with 17 seconds left in the game mario chalmers brings the ball up who was the point guard at the time and he is obviously everyone in the crowd is looking for LeBron James to take the final shot, right? To tie the game, to do something. They're down by three. It's 95, 92, 17 seconds left. So they're bringing the ball down the court. They know they've got this possession to hit basically a three-pointer um, because if they don't hit a three-pointer or get a or get a bucket and a foul, game's over, series is over. In fact, you know, the the <laughs> when you want to talk about everything's against you, you're down three games to two. So if they, if they lose this game, it's it. That's it. It's over. In fact, the NBA had already started to roll out uh, the champagne. They had already started to prepare. They started to put up the ropes so that people couldn't get onto the floor um, for the for the uh, for the the trophy. Everything was saying this game was over. It was over, and there was nothing that could be done. And I remember standing there. I was watching this game by myself at my house. I was the only Miami Heat fan, and I was watching the game. And I stood up. And I literally was about to turn the television off because I could not fathom seeing the San Antonio Spurs beat my Miami Heat. Now, again, the Miami Heat were the defending champions. They had just beat the snot out of the Oklahoma City Thunder. I think it was four games to one. Uh, that was a five-game series. That was when KD and uh, Russell Westbrook and James Harden were all on the same team, that young Oklahoma City Thunder team back in 2012. You know, they beat them. That was a great series. And, and so here we are, fast forward a year later, you know, and LeBron's talking about we're going to get seven, eight championships in this, in this Miami Heat team. And here we are, our third series in a row because they, they lost to the Mavericks, then they beat the Oklahoma City, and they are there in the finals again, but now they're losing. Everything is against them. All the pressure in the world is against them. And so as they're driving the ball down the court, Chalmers finds LeBron. Le LeBron does a great little move, gets open for a three-pointer, takes his three, and it dang, it just dunks off the off the uh, the rim, right? It goes goes around out and 
For whatever reason, Tim Duncan was out of the game, so they really had no rebounders. So Chris Bosh jumps up, grabs the ball, and as he grabs the ball, he sees Ray Allen out of the corner, passes it to Ray Allen. Ray Allen does not look down at the ground at all. In fact, I've seen this replay so many times. Ray Allen's eyes do not move off catching the ball. He focuses on catching the ball and moving backwards behind the three-point line at the same time and releases a clutch three that drains it at the bottom, like nothing but net. Nothing but net. And it ties the game with like, I think it was a second or two seconds left. The Spurs had no timeouts left and, and there was nothing that could basically be done. It ties the game. The game goes into overtime. The Heat win in overtime. And then the Heat go on in game seven to win game seven, which was also another amazing game. But guys, think about the pressure that Ray Allen was faced with. And, and, and he was just so locked in. He it would be described as unshakable. He would be described as a man with ice in his veins. Was he nervous? Probably. Was he, you know, scared? Maybe. But the fact is, is he was so locked in and so focused on doing the movements he knew he was supposed to do. None of that mattered. None of that mattered. And that's what we want to talk about today in our topic called unshakable. There's three main things I want to take away from this, this action. Number one, Ray was not thinking. Ray Allen was not thinking when this happened. He wasn't thinking, where's the three-point line? He wasn't thinking, what if I miss? He wasn't thinking about anything. Because when instincts take over, and when practice and preparation take over, you don't have to think, you just do. So he wasn't thinking. So many times we have guys that come to us and they're constantly thinking, what if this doesn't work? What if I take my shot and I miss? What if my wife doesn't come back to me? What if I never make a million dollars? What if I never become a great father? What if I never start that business that becomes a billion dollar company? What if, what if, what if, what if? But here's the thing is that if Ray Allen had been thinking about those things, I guarantee you he probably would have missed. Now, was he already a 50% three-point shooter? Yeah, I, I don't know his actual numbers. I shouldn't say that. Was he already a really good three-point shooter? Yes, yes, he was. In fact, he held the record until recently Seth Curry, uh, Steph Curry, not Seth, Steph Curry broke his record of three-pointers made uh, just this season. Was he already a fantastic three-pointer shooter? Absolutely. But that didn't mean that when the game, and not the game, the season was on the line, that he wasn't going to come in clutch and make that shot. He could have easily missed that shot. We, we, could be, we could be reversing this whole thing and talking about how he missed the shot. But the fact was, is he didn't miss the shot and he wasn't thinking about it. He wasn't thinking, where's the three-point line? He wasn't thinking, what if I miss? Here's why he didn't think about where the three-point line was. Ray Allen had, was notorious for his workout routine. His three-point shooting routine happened several hours before the game and it took several hours. In fact, most players who tried to do the routine with him could not actually do it. They could not last. And I mean, Miami had some sharpshooters. They had, you know, uh, Mike Miller, Shane Battier. Uh, they had some great guys that could that could shoot the three ball. Uh, you know, Chalmers could shoot threes. LeBron could shoot threes. But he, but he specifically had a routine that was so solid that he did not have to think about where the three-point line was ever on the court. He knew that specific part of that court in Miami better than anyone ever. 
He probably knew it better than the than the guys who clean the floor every night. He probably knew it better than, you know, the president of operations. He probably knew it better than the people who sit there every single night on the floor, on the floor seats. He probably knew it better than them because he had spent the most time in that corner waiting for his opportunity to shoot a three. Because in his practice regime, he would hit certain points around the three-point arc and hit that three, hit that three, hit that three, just, just constantly shooting every single time, knowing exactly where his feet had to be in that position. Imagine not having to think through all these things, but by instinct, being able to know where you're supposed to go and what you're supposed to do and what you're supposed to say. This is, you know, in Thrive, we talk about this idea of communication. And so many men respond out of their thinking head instead of their, their heart, right? Or, or, they, or they, they, they think they're using their heart. What they're doing is, is they have a lack of communication. So, for example, you, you'll try to communicate and you'll think about, okay, well, if I say this, then she'll say that. What if I say this and then she says that? Instead of learning how to actually communicate and getting to a point where you don't even have to think about it becomes second nature. I do this with my wife now, where before I wasn't able to do it with my ex-wife, I do it now, where it's like something will trigger, she'll be upset, or something will be said. And instead of me responding in this old negative pattern, I've learned a new pattern, I've learned a new way, and I don't have to even think about it, where it's like I suddenly respond from that healthy place of, oh, hey, what's going on? How can I serve you? How can I support you? What do you need from me? Right? Instead of just being like all defensive and saying, oh, you're being a bitch or oh, you're being this or oh, you're doing that. Right? Because we don't know how to do those things and, and we don't have a routine for it. So I created a routine for how I communicate and habits for how I communicate and continue to live those habits. So now in my life, I don't have to think about them. I just do them because I am them. The final takeaway I got from this was that Ray Allen knew his role. If you watch the clip, he wasn't trying to get the ball from Mario Chalmers to, to get the three. He knew that LeBron was going to take that shot. He wasn't, he wasn't trying to go up for the rebound. He knew that if, if the ball went up, he needed to be on the arc because that's where he's the most dangerous. He wasn't the most dangerous trying to go up for the rebound. You could say, well, everyone should go for the rebound. No. If Ray Allen went for the rebound, who would be there to shoot the three-pointer? Maybe Chalmers, maybe LeBron would get another shot. And I think half the crowd thought that LeBron was going to get another shot because Bosch got the ball. So now he could just pass it back to LeBron and LeBron could take a three. And LeBron wasn't a bad three-point shooter. He still isn't a bad three-point shooter. He's pretty, he's pretty decent. But he's not a sharp shooter like Ray Allen. So Ray knew his role. He knew what his team's role was and where he needed to be at the right time. So he knew Bosch needed to be rebounding. He knew that LeBron needed to be, you know, also potentially going for a rebound. But he knew he needed to be behind the arc. And so as that ball came, instead of him leaning forward to try to get the rebound, he leaned back and took the and took the shot. Literally, if you watch the replay, and I, I just watched it again on YouTube a second ago, you can look it up on, on YouTube. It's Ray Allen's amazing game-tying three-pointer in game six of the 2013 finals. He literally backed up holding the ball. <laughs> like he put one step back right behind the three-point line, caught it, put his other foot back, and sunk the three. It, it was an amazing feat. And it was something that could not be done if he didn't know his role. It was something that could not be done if he didn't have a routine. And it was something that could not be done if he was thinking. 
If he was thinking about where he needed to be, if he was thinking about all these things, I do not think he would have hit that shot. And this is the problem I see with men who come to us on this emotional roller coaster, whether it's divorce or separation, or it's just you don't know who you are, your identity is lost, and you're just struggling being a man. All these things you come to us with, and you're just lost. And we see that you're overthinking everything. You're overthinking every decision you make. You have no routine. You have no routine. Your routine is you wake up and you you cry or you wake up and you you make your lunch and you go to work and, and, and you come home and you just, you know, drink beer and watch football, play, play video games, whatever. Maybe you tuck in your kids, maybe you don't. And you go to bed and, and you have no routine. You have no solid, actual substance of habits that are developing you as a man. And so you wonder why you're in the situation you're in. Imagine Ray Allen being like many of you who have no absolute habits about themselves, who don't read books, who don't actually engage in community that, that's like our Thrive community where, where it's not just a couple of guys talking shit to each other, but where it's men who are actually calling you to a higher level. Right, not like our free group where it's just anybody and everything kind of comes in there, where it's guys who've already invested financially and emotionally in themselves and they're calling each other higher. You know, imagine he didn't have those routines. What would his three point shot would have looked like? It probably would have looked like my three point shot. Can I make a three pointer? Yeah, I can make a couple three pointers. Am I a decent shot? I'm a decent shot. But with that pressure on the line, with that amount of stress. I mean, he had to have seen the yellow ropes. He had to have known that if he misses this shot, that it's over. But he wasn't thinking that because his routine would not allow him to think about the shot. His routine only allowed him to do one thing. Catch the ball, shoot. Catch the ball, shoot. Catch the ball, shoot. It's over and 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 over. It's repetitive because repetition especially good repetition, good repetition ingrains it in us. In our Thrive program, that's exactly what we do with communication. We repeat things over and over again and build and build and build and build concepts inside of you so that you get results you didn't even know you could do. We have guys now that talk funny almost, meaning that they came in and, and they, they were dysfunctional in their communication. They didn't have any good skills at all. And they get to the end of Thrive and they're like, you could hear it in their voice. They, they say things that most men don't usually say. They, they respond in empathy. They, they use empathetic listening. They, 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 um, they set boundaries with, with people and their spouse. And, and, and they're just like blown away. And they're like, how did this happen? It's like, dude, because you're responding now from a place of habit that we've built inside of you. We've, we've gotten rid of a lot of the old habits that you were living from because you chose a new level of necessity and said, it's not acceptable for me to communicate with my wife this way. I must be this type of man. And if I'm going to be this type of man, I'm going to have to do the work it takes to be that type of man. How in the world could Ray Allen have hit the, the game tying three? Or even you think about any home runs that are hit or a Tom Brady situation, right? <laughs> How many times did Tom Brady come in clutch, have ace, uh, ice in his veins, right? How many times did that happen in any of these? And, and athletes is just an easy thing because we can actually see it. We don't usually see 
you know, CEOs or entrepreneurs running their company. We don't usually see the moves that they're making. We don't always see husbands with their, with their wives. We don't always see those things because it's not something visual, but sports we can at least see as a visual thing of a way where a man is facing anxiety, a man is facing these things. And what happens when he has habits, what happens when he has routine, what happens when he knows his role and the part he's supposed to play. And what he does is, and he doesn't even have to think about it. He just shows up and says, this is who I am. This is what we are building an empowered man. We are building a culture of men, a community of men that will hopefully go into the world and help other men do the same thing, which is to show up in everything, to have good habits, to be healthy in our communication, to own our shit in everything, and to be the CEOs of our family and of our own personal lives. Because if men do that, then we don't get the bullshit that's happening right now in Ukraine and Russia. Right. We don't get a little fucking feral eyed uh, would admit Romney call him a feral eyed evil little man uh, dictating pretty much gas prices right now and dictating what's going to happen in Europe because of his own insecurities. And he has to take back over a country that doesn't belong to him. That's what happens when you have poor leadership. That's what happens when you have poor, uh, poor things happening inside of a man. But here's the flip side of that is the response of the world has been late. The response of the men who lead these countries has been late. Meaning that, you know, instead of our president, you know, being a little bit more <laughs> taking this guy seriously and actually doing things ahead of time, you know, maybe when he had already amassed 200,000 troops on the border, maybe when he was already showing all the signs, his cards were being laid out saying, I'm gonna do this, I'm telling you I'm gonna do this. The media had been saying it for weeks and we still didn't do shit. It's because of a lack of leadership where we face these shakable moments and we are unshake, we are shakable inside. We don't know how to show up. We're afraid of this, we're afraid of that, we're afraid of this, we're afraid of that. I would much rather follow a president or a leader who at least admits, I don't know the outcome, but here's what I do know. This is what I feel like we, are, we need to do and this is what we are going to do and this is how we're going to do it. And he rests in the fact that he could detach from the outcome of knowing he did the thing that he knows he's supposed to do. Because leaders who are in, who don't have a decision, who are not decisive, they're indecisive, they're not decisive in their decisions, are not leaders we can follow. So bring that back to your family. Are you a decisive leader that your wife and your children can follow? And I don't mean that you have the answer for everything. I don't mean that you you know, aren't, you know, that, that you don't struggle with imperfections, but that you own your shit when you do. That you go, hey, I don't know how to make this decision, but here's what I am doing to create that decision. That you can still show transparency and some weakness and some vulnerability, not weakness, but vulnerability. And in that vulnerability, it's like, but this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be decisive. I'm not going to just sit around and wait for shit to happen. And so many of you are doing that. You're sitting on your fucking ass waiting for your wife to file for divorce, waiting for shit to hit the fan, waiting for the end of the world because you don't know what to do because you are not unshakable. You are shakable and you are shook to your core. You are shook to your core. So here's what I'm going to do is I'm going to lay out for you a three-part strategy to help you become unshakable. Some of this is just going to seem easy, but that's the point. Is being unshakable, it only the only reason it's hard is because it's mindset. And mindset is not a strength of most of you. You are not mentally strong. It takes being battle tested to become mentally strong. It takes some losses. It takes some big L's sometimes to become mentally strong and to fortify yourself, 
not not to not to keep yourself from relationship, but to fortify yourself in a place of emotional strength to where you say, I'm going to make hard decisions. I'm going to do those decisions and I'm going to stand by those decisions because that's leadership. And if you want to be an empowered man, you have to be a leader. So like if you're facing any type of emotional roller coaster right now, these three objectives are for you. So the number one thing I want you to do is when I when you think about your situation, I want you to set a target. I want you to set a target. A target is something that has an objective goal to it. Okay. So some of you, your target, you know, you, you might say save my marriage. Well, I'm not crazy about that as being a target because I don't know that a person can save a marriage. I think it takes two people to save a marriage. But let's say that you want your target to be um, to create a healthy marriage. Okay. To create a healthy marriage. And even though right now everything is shook, your wife has filed her divorce or she says she doesn't love you. She's cheating on you, whatever. You say, I'm going to set the target of creating a healthy marriage, regardless of what your wife is doing. My target is healthy marriage. Okay. So then the second thing I want you to do, and I'm going to roll, I'm going to roll through this with several different things is take action, take action. So I've set the target, create a healthy marriage, take action, work on my communication skills so that my wife feels heard and understood. Holy shit. Are you kidding me? <laughs> That's an action. That is an action you can take. So many of you go, I'm working myself. I said, well, what do you mean? What do you, what are you doing to work on yourself? Well, you know, I'm reading books. I'm uh, going to the gym, you know, I'm just, just working on me. What does that mean? When you say working on yourself, what the fuck do you mean by that? I hear that all the time. Now we tell people, yeah, you got to work on yourself, but we have a clear definitive, like, like strategy for that, right? Like Empower Me and Our Thrive Program is built on the fact of working on you. That that is the thing that you must have before you come into our Thrive Program is you must have the desire and the willingness to work on yourself. So in our case, one of the things we help men do is work on their communication skills so that their wife feels heard and understood. Why is that important? Well, the number one cause of divorce is communication. <laughs> oh my God. Why? Because a woman wants to feel heard and understood so that she can emotionally connect with a man. Well, a man who cannot make her feel heard and understood is a man who is not emotionally connected to himself. He has shut down that part of himself. And because of that, he's unable to be emotionally connected to her. He doesn't know how to emotionally connect with her. And so if you can't emotionally connect with her, it goes back to your communication skills. And so if you go, well, I'm going to work on my communication skills so that my wife feels heard and understood, that will then hopefully create a healthy marriage. See how this works? So the very first thing we're going to do is we're going to set the target of creating a healthy marriage. Now, make sure you when you say create a healthy marriage, you define what a healthy marriage looks like. A healthy marriage looks like one where I do not allow toxic conversations. I will not engage in texting that is toxic. I will not yell at my wife. I will not scream at my wife. I will not call her names. I will not talk shit about her to the kids. I will not talk bad about her to her coworkers or to friends or to family. I won't call her family and, and make them feel sorry for me because of what she's doing to me. That's called manipulation. I won't do that because I want a healthy marriage. So that's your target, right? Create a healthy marriage. Number two, work on your communication skills so that your wife feels heard and understood. And then finally, number three, my favorite one, detach from the outcome. This is tough. This is tough. You've heard me say this before. Detach from the outcome. Rest in the fact that you're doing the work and it's up to your wife if she wants to meet you in doing the work.
you can rest in that fact. Guys, detaching from the outcome is about resting. Rest. When I say that word rest, some of you are like, man, I want that. I remember going through my divorce and not feeling rest. I wanted so desperately to feel peace. I had never felt peace or I hadn't felt peace in a long time. Even through the marriage, the 17 years, there was a lot of times where I did not feel rest. I did not feel peace. And it wasn't my wife's fault. It was mine. I cannot blame her for anything. I don't blame her for anything. She is her own person and she makes her own decisions, but I am my own person and I make my own decisions. That fit, the failure of that marriage has squarely on me. That's the way I look at it. Of course, she has things that she did, things that were toxic, things that were really bad. And you can morally justify all kinds of shit for me, but I don't go there because I know as a leader, I can't go there. All I can do is look at me. All I can do is look at my actions and what I do. So look, I take the action of working on communication and I do that and then I just rest in the fact that I'm doing the work and it's up to my wife to meet me in doing the work. Guys, think about how different that is to be that way. That is unshakable. That is unshakable where you set the target, you know, to win the finals, to hit the three, whatever, to take action, catch the ball, put it up. I mean, I think through that, right? Ray Allen had a target, hit that three. He, he saw the ball come down, hit the three, take action, get put himself in a position to hit the three. I mean, he could have just stood right there. He could have just stayed right there. Bosch would have passed on the ball. He would have hit a two. Game would have been over. But he put himself in position to hit the three-pointer. He took action. So many of you have not put yourself in position you have not put yourself in position to win. When we, when we have guys join Thrive, we say, look, man, what you just did was you just put yourself in the most powerful position possible to either receive your wife back or to move forward without her. When guys join our Thrive program, it's our 90-day program, it's our, it's our flagship program, what you're doing is you're literally putting yourself in the most powerful position possible to either receive your wife back when she's ready or to move forward without her. I, you win either way. If you come in and you do the work, you win. The only guys who don't win are the guys who don't do the work. But you can rest in that fact. So set the target, take action, detach from the outcome. Look, if you want to become wealthy, if that's your target, right? Create a number, work on a savings and investment plan. That's your action. Then rest in the fact that you're working the plan and trust the process. That's your detachment. If you want to become a great father, Set the target. What does that look like? Becoming a great father looks like this. Take action. Be intentional about spending quality time with your kids. Number three, detach from the outcome means resting in the fact that you're putting in the work to build a strong, amazing relationship with your child and that they will choose to meet you and lean in to that relationship as well. And then you want to start a new relationship? Set the target. What does that look like? What does that relationship look like? Taking action by becoming the most powerful and attractive version of yourself, forming healthy habits to attract a healthy spouse. And the fourth, rest in the fact that your healthy habits are gonna attract a healthy spouse. That's it guys, set the target, be clear about the target that you want. Number two, take action. And number three, detach from the outcome. Detach from the outcome. Look, if you're ready to do that, 
and you're ready to, to start leveling up your own community around you, I've got a group of guys in our Thrive community that would love to have you as part of our family. We don't receive everyone because not everyone's ready to be a part of our program, but we do receive guys who are ready to do the work. If you come in and you say, I'm humble, I'm hungry, don't even worry about the financial part yet. Let's just figure out if you feel like this is a fit for you. And on the financial side, you'd be amazed what we're able to do to help guys get started in the program. So if that's you, go to empoweredman.co slash book, empoweredman.co slash book, B-O-O-K. It's empoweredman.co slash book, B-O-O-K. Put your application in there. Let's uh, let's get you on with an advisor and um, let's see if this thing will work for you. Um, I, I'm confident if you get in and you do the work, it works. There's not one person we've had that did the work and didn't work. It just never happened. So guys, I'm gonna leave you with this last statement. Do not be moved by that which is temporal, but only by that which is eternal. Welcome to the Bourbon Moment. Join your host, M. Sizzle, J-Dub, and Mandrew as they sip on some bourbon and spit some truths. Welcome to the Bourbon Moment. Man, uh, did you tell Andrew what you had asked me about? What? No. Dude, I get a text from Mark at 9.30 while he's in California, and it says, do you have a tattoo guy in the area? Bro, <laughs> Bro I get this text. I was already asleep. I was three bourbons in by that point. <laughs> I, I wake up to this text 6 a.m. the next day. I text Mark back because I wake up to the text and I'm like, what? What? Mark's asking me for a tattoo. And I was like, no, my guy's in San Diego. Why? And he starts telling me about this, the tattoo that he wants. But, dude, I was, I was baffled, but I'm super supportive in getting a tattoo. So, Mark, if you want to share some context about the tattoo that you want to get. Oh man. Yeah. Unless so you want to save it for later on. No, no, no. It's fine. It's fine. I mean, I, I, I'm not a hundred percent only because I haven't seen the exact one I want, but I, for a long time, I wanted a lion, um, on, on like my arm. Um, those are always cool looking and you know, they're kind of like, there's a faith element to it and it's just kind of cool. But, uh, over the last year or so, my daughter, my wife, like, they, they, they kind of, I don't know, I, I've been told I'm like a bear and, and not in a bad, like angry kind of way, but that um, I'm like a cuddly bear, if you will. You know, like, like I have my assertive aggression, but I also am very kind and loving at the same time. And so I was like, maybe, maybe it would be cool to have a bear tattoo instead of a lion. And so I started looking into like grizzly bears and, you know, kind of a little bit more about like who they are as animals and how, you know, they, they don't attack, but they definitely are defensive. And if you put, you know, if you're in a position where you've got to, where they have to defend themselves, they will definitely do that. Um, and, and versus black bears. And I was like, ah, maybe I'm more of a grizzly than I am a black bear. So it's an idea that, that I really like resonated with. And I was like, it was the first tattoo concept where I was like, I could actually see myself doing that to the point I shaved my arm just to see about where it would be. I know it's starting to get a little bit where it's growing back in. Because I, I found a picture of myself before testosterone <laughs> and after testosterone. I've got like this much more hair because of the testosterone. So I'm like, literally, I'd have to shave my arms uh, to have this thing done. But who knows? We might be going down to San Diego for a six-hour road trip and uh, getting this puppy done. Welcome yeah. to the club, Ben. I'll yeah. get tattooed with you. 
I just got to find the right one that I like. And, and April twenty first, the twenty sixth. I'm in San Diego. I'll get a tattoo again. Need time to get a tattoo. I still need to finish my leg too. <laughs> my uh, dude, my plan is to have my whole leg completely what's called socked. So my whole left leg will be tattooed. And then my right leg, I'll only have my thigh done. For those that don't know, I'm sure everyone in our program is like, Joey has no tattoos because I'm always all covered up. Um, but the majority of my lower body is covered on my left it's, leg. It's the face. It's the boy face. It's the Dude, I'm going to have everyone start calling me baby face killer. BFK. <laughs> face killer. <laughs> What's up, BFK? Baby face killer. Yeah. I'm going to get my jersey that says BFK. Just as a oh reminder. Gosh. Yours yeah, can we be Papa Bear. Andrew's can we, be Andrew. I have a Papa Bear shirt, actually. If we had a, uh, if we had a uh, empowered man softball team, right? You'd be that that BFK, Mandrew. You didn't you didn't like the name I gave you, uh, J Dub? I'll take J Dub BFK or AKA BFK. There you man, go. It sounds like when we do our first in person reunion, that we should like. We'll come up with like some pullovers or anything, and then that's what we should rip off the shirts and just have our nicknames on the back, like softball, like jersey style. I have like just a, or just get them tattooed on the back. Oh sure. Well, I cover my. I already have one back there, but yeah. I don't. I don't have anything. I, back I there. did think what would be cool is like either like an, like a word on my back because I got kind of a big back, or like one of those big ass swords. You know what I mean? Like where it's like your sword. Yeah, but it's like upside down. But then I'm like. The pain that you probably have to go through for it to go down your back, like on your spine, like I, I don't know, just no. I imagine that as being really hard. Spine is tough because you there's not a lot of skin or, or not a lot of fat, right? So yeah, you really yeah. feel it on the bone. Like that was one of the first tattoo I got. And that one, like it was literally like vibrating up my neck. Mm. So that was a little bit awkward, but like pain-wise, the sternum and the armpit yeah. have been the worst. Yeah. The sternum hurts. My chest went over my sternum a little bit. And I just remember like the feeling in my teeth. I felt like my jaw was like unhinged. I couldn't get comfortable. Your jaw like literally gets stuck. And he's like, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. And I'm like, "Ah." I was like hour three when we started the sternum. When So I got my lion done. Speaking of lions, I got my lion done first. And then we did the monkey on the other side to represent my kids. And we were coming to kind of bring it through. He like did this design and he's working over here, over here. And I'm getting raw, you know, like that feeling when you're raw, like after two to three hours, it's just like, Oh, come on, we got to move in. So he's like, all right, let's go to the sternum. So the first kind of hour, I was like, all right, hour two on the sternum. I've never wanted to quit a tattoo. And I literally was like, this might be it. This might be the time that I just can't do it anymore. But then I was like, wait, we coach on mental strength and focus. <laughs> I'm going to get this done. Just, I'm getting this done. I can't squash out of this. I can't squash out. No, you cannot pussy out of this. Thanks for joining us on the Bourbon Moment. This is your host, M. Sizzle. I've got Mandrew and I got J Dub. And we are out. We'll see you next week.
Hey, thanks again for joining us on this episode of Empowered AF 2.0. If you're new here, thanks for checking out this episode. And I encourage you to take a visit back to the first episodes in this podcast. Look, we have over 50 episodes on the foundations of how to be an empowered man. I'm talking about in your relationship with your wife, your kids, your work, your boss, whoever and whomever. And I highly suggest you take some time to listen and gain some insight and knowledge from those episodes. And hey, if you want to connect with me deeper, be sure to check out the Empowered Man group. That's empoweredman.co slash group, empoweredman.co slash group for latest information and to join our group of other men who are wanting to be empowered just like you. Until then, this is Mark signing off, Empowered AF 2.0.